Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you can be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. How do you create a career based on authenticity and passion without getting overwhelmed? In this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interview Dr. Pamela Ellis, whose entire career is about helping people achieve authentic, aligned success while avoiding overwhelm. She works with both teenagers and women business owners. You can find Dr. Pamela on LinkedIn and on her website at theeducationdoctor.com. But before you do, I hope you enjoy soaking up Dr. Pamela's wise perspectives in our interview together here. Dr. Pamela, thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast today. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Jordana. So thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. Our mutual friend and colleague, the amazing Chelsea O'Brien, uh, more than one time in the past, I've turned to her when I've been looking for wonderful podcast guests, and she just knows such, such extraordinary women. And so this is not the first time that I've turned to her and said, who can I interview that's going to really bring something great to the conversation? And so she told me about you. So I'm so excited to be connected with you and to have this, this conversation. Great. You know, she recommended you really more because of the way that you've grown your successful business and the way that you've lived your life and the kind of person that you are. But because the business that you're in is just a very, it's the, the particular kind of business that you're in, helping kids get into college and get scholarships and all that. I think the two, t- two subjects that you just have probably the most fascinating perspective on are teenagers and competition. Hmm. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And I would just really love to hear some of your perspectives on both. And then I really want to hear just more about advice that you have about success in life and all the things that you would want women to know to make their lives better. But uh, teenagers and competition, I would love to hear what you have to say about it because who know who has a better perspective than you in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's interesting too, uh, that you would phrase it that way in terms of teens and competition, because I think that, uh, speaks to the things that they're doing, they're going, they're going through and some of the anxiety, uh, that teens face. And so talking about teens and their experiences, you know, there's competition that they have oftentimes at school among other friends and students, their classmates, as far as, you know, for grades and thinking about how that plays a role for them for college. There's competition among the colleges to get students and just a lot of worry that students as well as their parents have about getting 
into the right colleges. But one of the things that's, you know, so true for now, Jordana, that I'm seeing among teens is that they really uh, long for community in a way that I've, I haven't seen before. And, you know, in my work in in my work with teens, you know, I am consulting with them around the college admissions process and what things they need to do to be successful uh, for getting into the top choice colleges and also being able to get scholarship monies as well. But through the shutdown and the quarantine, students really were longing for community. And the competition wasn't as resonant um, during that time. And I think that that will change going forward, where it will still be more about community and the social interactions with their peers over competing with their peers. And, you know, as far as competition among colleges to get students, they're still competing to get students. And their whole models are built around that. And so as we talk a little bit more, you know, I can share more about that for your listeners. It's just interesting because competition is the sort of thing in life that can bring out both the best in people and also the worst. Mm -hmm. You know, like you mentioned anxiety, you mentioned worry, but then it also is the drive within us that has us reach our greatest potential in some ways too. What, may, what I find inter- so interesting about the college process, the whole question of how we educate people, and I had read some research saying that two-thirds of all college graduates end up graduating no more skillful. Like, they don't have any new skills. Like, they're not better mm-hmm. at what they will eventually do in the workplace than they were before entering college. Mm-hmm. And yet there's so much pressure to get a degree there still is a correlation, of course, between having a degree and, and then the success that you have in life. So there's no question that the degree then does lead to more opportunities. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But in terms of mm-hmm. whether you, so the having of the degree for sure has a benefit, mm-hmm. but right. ha, does the education make us better at what we will, would have done anyway? And if not, it's interesting. And then of course, mm-hmm. the, the question in life of what are we competing for is all really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And as you speak to that, as far as um, people graduating and not having, you know, a skill set that's uh, practical or employable in some sense, that, you know, I think is because the employers are oftentimes looking for a clean slate, You know, so they, what I mean by that is they want someone who's going to be trainable (laughs) in the workplace. And so if, you know, a student is attending a college that is more career oriented, then there may not necessarily be a place within college where they are getting certain skills, specific skills, because the employers are seeking someone that they can then train, but not necessarily someone who's coming with, you know, we've done this and that, because they have their own training programs once they're hired. But the things that I do find useful, and I would say that, you know, one of the, the key benefits, you know, for the degree is around mindset, it's around 
resilience. It's those qualities of a person, of our personhood, that is is where students are growing. And it's that the social interactions, those social networks that they develop in college that make such a difference in terms of having a degree versus not having a degree. A hundred percent. And then being in a context of, you know, being surrounded by people that are pursuing an education and taking themselves and their lives seriously in that way and sort of being in that context where everyone's sort of investing in themselves is for sure Mm -hmm. a good influence to have. And then the friends that you make there then lasting throughout the career. There's no question that there is value in education, but it's also interesting that in some ways what, what, what's being taught there may fall short. But as you say, the, maybe that's due to some sort of, maybe that's due to a preference on the part of the employers anyway, Right. as you say. So that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And as you also say, the real important thing is the inner game, which of course is the whole reason that Chelsea wanted me to speak to you in the first place and probably where mm-hmm. you have the absolute greatest advice anyway. So in terms of, being a successful person in life, what are the, what are the, some of the principles that you live by and the mindsets that really you think are most important? Having a, having a spirit of kindness and care for others. And the way I talk about what I do is that it comes from the heart and the work that I do is my passion and my calling and I believe in that for everyone. And so when I am working with students, it's not about doing things in high school just for the sake of doing it, but it's what are those things you really care about? And so an example, Georgetta, is a lot of times, you know, students will come and they'll say, I, I need to put community service on my activities resume. And I'm thinking, why? What's the point of that? But somewhere they were told that they need to have community service. They need to be involved in a lot of clubs. They need to do athletics. They need to do all these things to look right. And what I tell them and counsel them every day about every year is, no, what are the things that matter to you? So if you care about community service, yeah, do that. But if you don't care about doing that, please don't put it on your resume or do it just for the sake of it looking good. And so with others, you know, cause I do a lot of work with uh, mentoring women entrepreneurs and that's the key thing that I share with them around, you know, doing what you feel most called to do, what you're passionate about. Because I just remember when I was working in corporate many years ago, I always had those butterflies in my stomach on Sunday evenings. And those butterflies came from the fact that I hated my job. (laughs) I hated the thought of going to work on Monday morning. And so when I got into education, I knew that that was what I was called to do because on Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoons or evenings, I am not worried about going to work the next day. And I don't think of what I do as work. Now, you were in a corporate job and you left it to pursue this education project. How did you make that transition? Did you already have clients while you were in corporate? Like, were you starting to do the counseling on the side? No, I left cold. 
Whoa. Yeah. How, did you know what you were going to do? What I did do is um, I just left all together and I homeschooled. <laughs> I homeschooled my kids for about, for a couple of years. And from there, applied to go to graduate school. Amazing. So you didn't have a plan. You just knew I needed to not do what I was doing and that your life would be better served teaching your kids at home. Than than hating my job. Yeah, than hating your job. Like, how did you, how did you have this bravery? Uh, well, you know, actually, my mother, when my mother passed, that was, gosh, a turning point for me in many ways because I was always so close to her. And you know, in my grief, those months and years afterwards, I was just like, you know something? I'm not doing anything I'm not passionate about because life is too short. And the thing that I knew about my mom is that she did do things that she didn't enjoy just for the sake of making money. And so I never, I didn't want that. And I didn't want my kids to see that I hated my job because I thought, you know, what kind of work ethic would that teach them? That's amazing. Were you scared when you left? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was scared when I applied to schools, applying and here I am with kids and an older adult. I was in my 30s at the time. And so, yeah, it, it absolutely was. And then you went to graduate school. When did you start your own business? Did you go from grad school straight to helping with admissions? No, I went from graduate school to being a visiting professor. A visiting professor. Yeah. And even with that, that was another scary point because, you know, after doing that for a year, I knew that, you know, academia wasn't for me. And so I looked for other opportunities. Wow. So then even, yeah. even, even after having left that, you had to leave something else. So, I mean, how old were you when you started this business that you love now? Oh, mid-40s. Mid-40s, right? And it's yeah. so easy to be even younger than that and feel like we already missed it. And it's already passed it, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you always hear that statistic that, uh, the author of Harry Potter, I forget her name. I probably should know J.K. That Rowling. Yeah, that she was homeless and single mom at 40, and right? Isn't something like that? Mm -hmm. So um, that's so yeah. great to know. So that's so inspiring. Yeah. And so then what do you do for self-care? Wow, that's a big question. So one of them is my mindfulness practice. And so having a daily practice of meditation and being taking those breathing moments throughout the day, I think of as self-care. And so it's realizing that perhaps my thoughts are running wild or I am feeling a sense of overwhelm and I need to step back and just breathe or be present. Yeah. And when you say being present, what is what do you mean? Expand on that. That's noticing, giving intention to everything that's happening in that moment. That's what it means to me. And so that's a form of self-care. The other things are just, you know, 
in the morning, I have a ritual, <laughs> a routine of getting tea from Panera. That's something I think of as self-care because it puts that focus on doing something simple, but yet warms my spirits. Right. You just like walking into that store. You like getting yeah. your tea. And so that yeah. can be a form of self-care, yeah. especially if you're doing it with intention, with noticing it, with calling it a ritual. So really honoring it. Yeah. Something as small as that then. Yeah. And, you know, the other things are, you know, the things that uh, we as women probably enjoy, like just getting my nails done or getting a pedicure, <laughs> you know, uh, just self-care, self-maintenance, I guess it is. And so it's those kinds of things. And sometimes it's it's just walking. And I was listening to this uh, podcast just recently about walking and talking, talking it out as you walk and how therapeutic that is. And for me, it's around ideation because I get so many new ideas when I'm walking and able to just use that time as a time to decompress. Do you, when you say, you know, talking it out as you walk, are you talking about to a friend or do you talk into some sort of recording device? Uh, it's to yourself. Sometimes it's recorded uh, when I have ideas. And so... Do you speak out loud or in your head? Out loud. Oh, that's really nice. I never thought to do it. And so how do you start? Like, how does that go? Do you say hello to yourself first? Like, how does the conversation start? No, it could just be, uh, you know, right now I'm just thinking about... So this is how I would be doing it. Right, right. Show just me. Just saying, you know, I'm walking and I'm just saying, you know, right now... Gosh, I was just thinking about uh, just the things that she just said to me, and that just didn't sound right. You know, so just kind of like hearing myself talk it out in that way helps me to process it. Right. And then you get to really be your best friend. You're like a listener, and you do so much counseling during the day that it's cool that you then really honor yourself enough to counsel yourself. Right. That's really right. nice. Um, but yeah, walking certainly does that. And I was running uh, quite a bit uh, before the quarantine, but had an injury. And so I haven't been running in the last few months, but I'll get back to that again. But certainly being active in some kind of way is a form of self-care. Yeah. What are some other uh, pieces of advice you have for women just in terms of living best lives and inner game? Mm, I would say being okay with delegating because I think that as women, oftentimes we've been told that we can do it all or been socialized to do it all without asking for help. And so being comfortable with asking for help and delegating because in so, you know, many ways, the things that we sometimes are doing aren't our highest contribution. Where'd you learn that? I've heard that before, too. And it's interesting. Um, a mentor of mine has been pushing that one on me. Where did you, who taught you that? Gosh, I think it's, you know, I've certainly learned it through, through my business, having a business. And I learned it in the quarantine as well at home. And so, for example, 
at home, you know, I always enjoyed cooking and I still do like cooking, but during the quarantine, you know, all three of my kids were back home from school and college. And so me doing the cooking all the time just was too much, especially with, you know, running my business as well. And then cooking for three more, three more heads when you wouldn't have had to before. Exactly. 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 And so in the moment where you're not cooking for pleasure, your highest contribution really is about servicing the clients that need you and maybe being there for your kids as a mother in a different way. Exactly. And then allowing someone else to do the cooking, even if we feel like we should. What do you think stops women? You said feeling like we have to do it all. You said you think we are socialized. How do your, the women you mentor, how do they, are they, do do you find that it's, this is advice easy to take or is it, is there a lot of resistance around it? What do you find? I find that when you offer sometimes practical suggestions or at least give, you know, be a listening ear for them to uh, talk about the things that are on their plate that they uh, are, you know, going through at the time then I can, you know, help with talking through with them, you know, just kind of what could perhaps come off their plate, what could be delegated. So another example I'll share is I'm part of this women's round table and we meet monthly to talk about business. They're all other women entrepreneurs and one of the women was just talking about how she sends out email and that just hearing her talk about it and just how onerous of a task it is to send out emails from Outlook. I suggested an automation system that could just simplify her life. (laughs) And so just, you know, talking through that with her and technology is a way that you delegate. Right. Sometimes there's just a better tool or a better app. That, right. Right. Yeah. And so it really warmed my heart when we were meeting just in August, you know, just yeah, recently in our monthly meeting, she mentioned that she had signed on to this new CRM for managing the relationships that she has. There's an app for that. I love it. Yeah. Yes. And I do believe just that, that if it's something that I'm doing that takes a lot of time or feels tedious, there's an app for that. Yeah. Probably there's so many different ways to upgrade my life if someone were to stand behind me and help. Actually, my uncle, he works for Apple and this is literally what he does for different businesses. I think he's a consultant at Apple that goes in and helps businesses figure out all the different ways that their uh, their their systems could be streamlined using um, some apps on Apple Store. So we should all have someone like that come in and do that for our lives. I know. And the thing about it, too, is, you know, I don't have very many apps on my phone, but the ones that I do have are ones that, you know, just kind of help me stay on top of things that I may not remember to do because I feel like especially now with the quarantine we feel like we felt like there was we're going to have all this extra time but I find that I'm busier and I think that other people are even busier now and I don't know where that comes from but just something simple like um, I decided I was going to try intermittent fasting and 
you know, I tried it for a couple of days, but I kept forgetting like what time I started <laughs> and what time <laughs> I should stop. And so I got this really neat app. And what I found is that, I mean, all I do is just click a button to say, I'm going to stop eating right now or push the button again to say I've started eating now. But the fact that it keeps track of that is one less thing that I have to worry about <laughs> or one less thing I have to think about. And I find, though, that it's been very motivating as well, because like the other night, uh, I had already pushed the button to say I was going to stop eating. And my son asked, asked me if I wanted to have something. I was like, no, because I've already <laughs> started my fast. But if I was just trying to mentally keep track of that, I would have probably forgotten, you know, and just started eating. But it just serves as a reminder to me and it actually motivates me. But it's something so easy that, you know, yeah, maybe I could have done it on my own, but it was just something else I needed to remember to do. That's so great. Do you have any other favorite apps? Yeah. Another one is called Focus to Do. And I don't know if you've ever done the Pomodoro method. What is it? So the Pomodoro method is a way to manage your time and focus. Is it the 30 minutes on and then five minutes break or something like that? Yeah, exactly. And the key is... How, how does break. it work though? To, just, is it... So with the Focus To Do app, you just write, well, I use it to track different tasks that I need to get done. And so like, I know I need to, you know, remember to work on XYZ for a new course that I'm going to be launching. And so I will just add that in and I have it set for 45 minutes. And let me tell you, when I use that, I really do focus in a way that I probably wouldn't otherwise, because a lot of times I get distracted, quite frankly. And so I may start working on something and I see an email and I stop doing it or just forget that I was, you know, working on something else before that. But this app, you know, it has a timer built in and you can actually type in what the task is that you're working on and it really works well. Do, does the app break it down according to the Pomodoro method? Yeah. So what is the Pomodoro method? How many minutes on, how many minutes off and what's it based on? Yeah, the Pomodoro method is usually, I want to say 25 minutes and then five minute break. And so... Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of research around that particular uh, length of time, but I usually set it for 45 minutes and then a five minute break. Oh, okay. So you can go longer. Yeah, you can. And you like you the can. 45 more than the 25. Yeah. Yep. And in my writing group, which is a women's writing group, we do usually 90 minutes of writing and then a 15 minute break. And do you all meet together to do the writing? Yeah, we do it virtually, and it's always been virtual, even before the quarantine, but it's just a virtual writing retreat, and I love it because I find that even if I do it without the group, I'm not as productive. So having the other women in solidarity, we're all going to stop, and we're going to take 90 minutes. And is it 90 minutes like at a time for the, throughout the day, or is it just you meet for 90 minutes and you do it? Yeah, it's throughout the day. So usually it's a six-hour day. And so you have 90 minutes on and 15-minute break. You come back, you debrief with the group. 
for like 10 minutes in terms of talking about what you did uh, and if your inner critic interfered with your writing. And then you do another 90 minutes. That's so nice. So you get these other women to sort of speak to. You kind of talk it out. And how long can each woman speak? And how many women are in the group? Uh, it varies each time because there's a woman out of San Francisco who runs these virtual writing retreats. And so, um, I mean, everyone usually shares. And, I mean, just the accountability, though, is great. Tremendous. Great accountability. Yeah. And do you all yeah. stay, like, on Zoom so you can see each other? You sit at the desk and it's sort of yeah. you're, you're rocking out. Oh, that is so great. Yeah. How did you yeah. get it? How did you find out about this? Well, I had been on her email list for a number of years and had done another writing program with her. And then maybe a couple of years ago, she started these virtual writing retreats that are six hours. She does them on Pacific and Eastern time. And I tried it out and just love it. And she usually does them monthly. And how many have you participated in? Oh, my goodness. Um, I usually do several a year. Oh, that's so great. And I have one coming up in September. And so whenever, you know, if I'm not traveling, I do these virtual retreats because they're really, they just make such a difference in terms of my productivity. And are all the women in the group working on a similar kind of thing? Or can you kind of be, are they all working on different kinds of things? They're all doing very different things. So some of them are writing blogs. Some of them have their own business and they're working on an email campaign. You know, others are working on some scripts, you know, like if they're a podcaster, if they are doing video work, maybe they're putting together scripts, but some type of writing that they have to do. And you're working on your courses usually? Well, it really varies. So sometimes I'm working on blogs, I'm working on different lead magnets, so some type of opt-in. So for people who don't, because this isn't really a marketing podcast, so a lead magnet is a, a free download. If you go to someone's website, that, that way the benefit to the person who has the website is they get to have your email and keep communicating with you about the topic that, uh, that you would clearly care about. That's why you're there. Exactly. And then in exchange, they give you a really valuable piece of information that was put a lot of heart. And so how many lead magnets have you created on your website? Oh, I have about at least 20. Yeah, wow. That's a lot. That's very cool. Yep. I mean, some of them I have, you know, pretty much archived because they're not as helpful in terms of some of them were only for a specific time period. But there are a number of them that are what I would refer to as evergreen, meaning you can go at any time. Like, so for example, one of them is a ninth grade roadmap. So if your kid is in ninth grade, I mean, people have ninth graders every year. So <laughs> I update it, but that's a would be considered a lead magnet that's evergreen because I don't, it's nothing really that changes about ninth grade. Yeah. This is all pretty specific to the United States, right? Or do you do um, other countries have similar processes to ours? Yeah. Uh, it would be for any high school students anywhere. Cause in, I've worked with students in other countries. So it, it's not U.S.-based only. Because for my work, if you're a high school student and you're interested in going to college, you know, that's more age-specific. 
it's like, yeah, the time of year might vary because like some schools are year round, but that's not what you do in terms of high school isn't going to vary. Yeah. What is some advice you have for people knowing one's passion, following one's passion, one's calling Mm -hmm. has been a theme of yours. And of course, probably comes up a lot with teenagers and Mm -hmm. not all of us were lucky enough to have someone helping us when we were teenagers, figure out what that was. It's a lot of wasted years can come from, Mm -hmm. from not knowing that. But what is some advice you have about finding out what that is for people who don't really know? If, if you have access to any type of interest inventories, or because even there are career interest inventories for adults as well as there are for teens, and personality assessments, those usually can help. One that I really like is called Strengths Finders, and it's for adults, and they have one for teens. But Strengths Finders is one that I did many years ago. Um, I want to say the author is Tom Rath. It was through Gallup. Strengths Finders. Yeah, Strengths Finders. And it's called Strengths 2.0. I think it's the name of the book. And it includes this assessment that anyone can do. A lot of times they'll have them in, in companies. A lot of companies use Strengths Finders. And I've even had access to it through conferences that I've attended. It's part of, you know, personal, professional development. And that's a really great tool to use to give you that kind of awareness, self-awareness that oftentimes people just may not have. Right. We don't always know what our strengths are, what, what other people see as our strengths. It's Quizzes like that can be great. And when you say interest inventories, what is that? Is it just a list of things that one might be interested in and you just kind of go through the list? Yeah, exactly. Just kind of list it all out for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. And usually with those different types of tools and inventories, when you input certain information, so let's say a question, a question might be, do you like people or do you like talking to people? And then the end results of that could be, oh, if you like talking to people, here are all these kinds of careers that are out there or things that you could do that could be a match for you, could be a good fit for you. So that's what I mean by an inventory. But they usually come in all kinds of styles. I mean, you can have inventories related to relationships. I mean, like any type of dating app has an inventory in it. This is what I would think, because they're matching people. And it's the same way with any type of career or interest inventory. They're matching what your interests might be based on your responses. I like the idea of just going, like scrolling through a list of just all kinds of topics and seeing what jumps out. And then from there, there's just more stuff to look into, more stuff to Google and see what else that uh, leads to. I always like to say curiosity is a compass. Mm-hmm. There's so much it can point to and lead to. So I really want to be mindful of your time. Um, are there any last words that you would have for for women who are listening or just about how to live your best life and be the best you can in this world? I would say be mindful of where you get your energy from. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, so... Sometimes, you know, just being aware of 
what gives you energy and what drains your energy. I think that sometimes we're not as sensitive to that as we should be. And just recognizing that when it happens, you know, what gives you energy and what drains your energy can be a great guide for how to be your best self and live your best life. You know, when you say that, um, I, I, I think that could mean anything from like processed foods to yeah. a, a, a nagging coworker. It absolutely. And yeah, exactly. And so you just mean on all levels, physically, yeah, mentally, exactly. emotionally, spiritually, all the different. Mm-hmm. So kind of be aware of our energy and have that, which you talked about earlier, right? Mindfulness and awareness in all that we're doing, but especially awareness of the energy that we're that we're in in any situation in order to know whether or not it's being drained or what's being added to. Right. Right. I mean, that's just like, I have always loved listening to public radio and during the quarantine though, sometimes when I would be driving to run errands and I'm listening to it, I recognize that it was draining my energy and just that overwhelmness of the draining It was just like, no, I can't do this right now. I can't do this right now. So whatever this is I'm listening to, you know, at this time of day, don't do that. And so it changed a lot of things. But at the same time, it helped me help my own mindset, help the way I could be present uh, at work and at home. And so just being mindful of what gives and what drains your energy. I really like that self-awareness. And of course, if we find that there's all these things that are giving energy, well, maybe that can also lead to passion and, and figuring out how to be more aligned with our calling too, because yeah, exactly. Our energy is also (laughs) a compass, just like curiosity is a compass. Energy is a compass. Well, that's such a good way to end. That's such good advice. Um, for anyone that might have teenagers in, in high school or younger kids that will eventually be teenagers or, other women that might be looking for mentorship or wherever, where can people go to learn more about your work and to find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. I do a, uh, a LinkedIn live show called Keep Calm for Parents. And so certainly the whole theme of that is, you know, around reducing your stress as you are helping your kids at whatever age And so that would be a great place to go. And then they could find me at compasscollegeadvisory.com. Wonderful, Dr. Pamela. Thank you so much for sharing with me today and for for sharing with the whole audience. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you. Great meeting you too. Take care. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious, what are the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passion and intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life a class on the number one thing you can do to end your loneliness if you're single, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, 
a guidebook on finding your lesbian soulmate, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of this is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of these things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.